Thank you very much, Stefano, and also Clément, for the amazing organization and for having us as a panel. Um, so, uh, as I promised, I, my paper will be really short just because we are four panelists, so we're trying to do like kind of flash presentations, and then you will have the chance to discuss maybe some details during the discussion. So, uh, the Transport Press uh, panel. So, uh, we will explore various case studies of cosmopolitan exchange fostered by transnational press during the 19th and the 20th century. So, but first, just a couple of words on what is transnational press. Uh, by this we refer to press written in languages other than the national language or languages, an important but neglected historical and contemporary international phenomenon. The aim of the International Network Transport Press, founded at the end of 2012, and now counting dozens of researchers all around the world, is to catalogue and rescue um, and research these transnational periodicals and to resituate them within the histories of the national presses, while analysing their role in the circulation of ideas within an often highly cosmopolitan and transnational readership. So before Transport Press, we noticed that the research on some of these area, areas uh, tended to focus on uh, mainly on uh, political exiles or exile journalism. So we're trying a little bit to you know, enlarge this. And um, we have an annual conference, and this year will be in Mexico. So we have a very good website actually managed by Isabel. So if you want details just uh, ask us later. So today uh, I'm, going to, um, I'm going to briefly present about encounters and literary encounters, cultural encounters, fostered by 19th century Francophone, and by Francophone here I mean French language press, simply, uh, published in the United Kingdom. So um, in this very brief paper, we just summarize really some of the developments of my research regarding this French language press published mainly in London during the long 19th century. So in a first attempt just to gather and catalogue um, catalog these uh, titles, I, find, I found over four, 140 titles of uh, French language uh, papers published in the, in the UK. An important thing to underline is that in my an analysis I also included multilingual publications that included French as one of uh, the languages that they chose to um, uh, you know, writing. So that's an important thing because, of course, the number reflects this. And uh, I already uh, presented at various uh, transport press uh, conferences where I try to give a typology of these papers. So, of course, there are uh, all sorts of papers: religious press, uh, academic press, scientific press. Uh, you name it. There is everything. So here are just some examples for you. Um, and uh, um, so, my aim today is just to. Um, show some brief example, we, examples which, which can inform our understanding of the role played by cultural and literary press, especially in French language uh, published in the UK, in the cosmopolitan literary and cultural exchange characterizing the long 19th century, with a particular emphasis uh, uh, on what happens before the fin de siècle, which I, we've been talking about a lot today uh, and yesterday. So first of all, though, uh, since we've been uh, talking about this a lot, I would like to <laughs> think about the idea of a, a cosmopolis and a cosmopolitan. These are simply, you know, some dictionary uh, definitions. And of course, uh, many of you will be uh, familiar with cosmopolitan, which is a, a current and uh, not at all transnational uh, new publication, but just a publication that appears. So nowadays, we have this idea that cosmopolitan basically means cool, uh, someone very worldly, and uh, maybe in this women magazine, sharing the same style, sharing a certain kind of common uh, ground with the stylish, uh, you know, community. Well. 
in my uh, um, paper I will maybe focus more on the first uh, you know, meaning of uh, the term, so international, multiracial, worldwide, global and universal. Uh, but in a certain sense, we still have some of the second because it's cultivated culture, as, as we will see. So that's important to notice that uh, like this shift in the meaning uh, is happening already in the, in the 19th century. Although, uh, for what I'm concerned, especially in multilingual publications, as I said yesterday as a comment to a very nice paper that I heard, um, there is also a sense in which cosmopolitan means multilingual, for what I'm concerned, especially in multilingual press. Of course, I mean, uh, most of you will be familiar with uh, uh, Cosmopolis, and I know Stefano worked a lot about um, um, on this uh, publication. And of course, this uh, sets the tone in the sense of uh, our studies, because Cosmopolis, uh, that was a fin de siècle publication, so published for the first time in 1896 until uh, 1898. Uh, and uh, counting a contribution for very, very uh, important uh, uh, literary figures like Bourget, Anatole France, Mallarmé, Somerset Morgan, uh, Nietzsche, uh, Stevenson, Robert Louis Stevenson, so a very uh, you know, important kind of hub. And uh, the aim of this publication was to help protect the intellectual life of Europe from the destructive forces of nationalism. Um, and uh, um, these are all quotations that are um, taken from a very, very important source for whoever studies uh, periodicals, which is the Waterloo Directory of uh, English newspapers and periodicals. And they got these, uh, you know, quotations from the editorial and you know, from other sources. And uh, another aim was uh, all the chief tongues of Europe and all the leading minds of both continents may one day find in Cosmopolis a common ground for interchange of thought. What I found really interesting in this uh, publication, for example, is to see similar topics discussed in different languages. In this case, for example, Berlin, uh, after Berlin death, you have articles about Berlin in English and then uh, article quoting uh, Berlin in German. So that's uh, very important in the kind of cosmopolitan exchange because uh, a French author was uh, you know, seen uh, by different perspective. So, but as I said, promised before, I would like to tell you something about what happened before Cosmopolis and before the fantasy act to demonstrate that this kind of push towards Cosmopolis was actually happening before in the century. And here we have more examples coming from all around the century. I found really interesting the autographic mir mirror. Uh, uh, the, the subtitle is uh, L'autographe Cosmopolite. For example, here we are around the 1840s, a very weird publication where there were uh, autographs were important, uh, uh, you know, authors and, and a discussion about them in both French and English. So they were really, some of them are really weird and really short-lived, but they witness a sort of, you know, striving towards, uh, you know, uh, a cosmopolitan uh, readership. Uh, we had the Emporio Italiano there in three languages, despite being called Emporio Italiano. Uh, we have Le Coup Français de Londres, but there really there are very many publications. So, for example, to, to show you that uh, this, this kind of a cosmopolitan idea um, of a publication was developing already earlier in the century and at the end of the century before, there is this very uh, nice study by Simon Boris. And here he says that basically we should not be misled by the fact that these uh, periodicals were in French, because actually, despite being in French, they were indeed addressing not only the uh, you know exile or expatriate community. In, in this case, there were people fleeing the revolution, some monarchists 
that found uh, you know kind of asylum in, in, in the UK. But in this case, they were talking to a much wider cosmopolitan Francophone elite. So already there, we should uh, push the boundaries of the readership of these uh, publications. I leave uh, you to read the um, um, quotation. Further evidence that these uh, uh, papers were not only addressed to French-speaking readers is the fact that if you read contemporary publications in uh, English at the time, there, there were mentions of these uh, transnational papers in French. Sometimes they were seen as a sort of uh, a nice way to learn the French language, but actually I've seen many others. This is the Straight Times. Uh, no, uh, the London Magazine, sorry, but I've seen the Straight Times, other publications, and there were mentions of these uh, papers also addressed to an English-speaking community. And as a further example that I also uh, mm, mentioned yesterday is the fact that when you go to the archives, the British Library in particular, and look for these publications in French, uh, published in the UK, you usually find them kind of mixed in bundles of volumes that are, were definitely owned by uh, you know cosmopolitan uh, readers because in the same volume you have Jacques Bonon, a satirical uh, French uh, newspaper published in, uh, in uh, the UK, Molière and Shakespeare, a Canadian news. And this is really common, I will show you another example. And uh, um, see, there is Molière and Shakespeare and actually is uh, uh, together with Canadian news. And here is one of my uh, brief examples that I would like to, to, give, it, uh, to give to you. For example, uh, Molière Shakespeare was a, this uh, literary magazine, um, literary periodical uh, that was devoted to uh, theatre. And here we have exactly the same text in uh, English and French. And there, if you see, they want to start uh, to uh, talk about uh, theatre in France and in, in, uh, in England, especially in London and Paris, but little by little they would like to uh, you know, open up their horizons and also talk about, for example, Italian uh, art and opera. So um, the, the aim there is really to build this kind of community, to address this community of people with a common cultural ground beyond languages. I remember French in the 19th century had the same role or a similar role that English has today. So it's not, was not only, it was a French-speaking community, it was kind of a lingua franca. So another example um, is that here, as I told you again, you see L'Observateur Francais, a very important, important uh, transnational paper in French, and the Deutsche Londoner Zeitung in the same uh, volume. And here, just to uh, show you a little bit how these papers was really important for the mediation, uh, for example, between uh, um, England and France. One thing that the uh, Observateur Francais, very, very important publication did, it was just listing, for example, all of the nice places you see in London. But at the same time, they were also, uh, you know, um, including feuilletons or installments of very important authors in France at the time. So Georges um, Sand, for example, Dumas, they all uh, published there too. And of course they were not anymore read on, only by the French community, but this uh, paper circulated also uh, in an English-speaking uh, elite that wanted to learn French or maybe already knew French or a European uh, um, cosmopolitan elite that found uh, themselves in London at the time and also spoke French. So there were also cultural uh, you know, encounters fostered by these uh, uh, papers. And another thing that I find uh, very interesting is also to, to analyze uh, all the time the adverts 
of this uh, publication. Here we're talking about l'Observatoire Francais, it's mid-19th century, but uh, it follows another publication that was Le Courrier de l'Europe, that was published much before, since the revolution. So it's kind of continuing the mission of uh, Le Courrier uh, de l'Europe. And here, yeah, here is just a, a quotation uh, that demonstrates this. So the first editorials are really very important because they always, you know, state what they want to do. They state the aims. You read the first editorial and you find them there. So they want to continue this, and of course, they, it's quite a, an ambitious aim. In this case, uh, is the Anglo-French alliance is one of the most important thing, things. But another thing that I was telling before, before is to analyze the kind of uh, adverts, like for example, a shoulder straightener, very important here. And this one is uh, in, in English, but just uh, above, there is a, uh, like a kind of orthograph uh, course uh, in French. And another interesting uh, um, uh, advert that I found, and I didn't include it here, is, and I found it uh, very interesting also for the idea of community, cosmopolitan community in l'Observatoire Francais, there was a, um, an advert for the Deutsche Londoner Zeitung, so for the German press in, in published in London, and it was uh, advertised in English <laughs> as the only German newspaper published in England, Deutsche Londoner Zeitung, a journal of English and continental intelligence containing news of the week, politics, musical and theatrical notices, criticism, commercial intelligence, etc. A supplement to each number comprising an original romance, poetry, reviews of books and of the arts, uh, sciences, together with a list of newest and best German publications, which is exactly what the Observateur Francais did for uh, uh, the French market, but also for the English market, because they would translate the latest things into French. So it was really like fostering this kind of cross-cultural exchange, a cosmopolitan exchange, I would say, actually. Uh, and here, just to demonstrate to you uh, the Straits Times, um, you know, um, uh, commenting on l'Observateur Francais, doing a similar thing. So as I promised you, I will be very brief, so I'm already moving towards my conclusion. So to conclude, this is just a very brief snapshot, because I would want to leave uh, time to people that actually came uh, from abroad to give their paper. Uh, and I focus mainly on uh, the stated aims of these transnational publications rather than the demonstrable impact, which will be the next step of my research. So analyzing the likely readers, maybe also going through a list of uh, subscribers, if I can find them, or correspondents. What emerges is a willingness to promote a transnational, transcultural, multilingual, cosmopolitan community with a shared heritage of cultural values. These readers would ultimately belong to the same cultural community, and this is demonstrated when you read, for example, a Russian novel at the same period, and they talk about, you know, influences, uh, usually you find exactly the same, you know, names coming back all around Europe. And uh, uh, just to conclude with a political kind of pledge, in these times of Brexit and in this time of very, uh, you know, sad times for many departments of modern languages around the UK, I don't know whether you've heard lately, you know, the killing of the Spanish department in Nottingham or, uh, or uh, Birmingham uh, under threat. I think that we should still welcome attempts of this kind of multilingualism. <laughs> Thank you.